Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and I am sitting across from the kid, Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, it is uh, another day in Los Angeles, and uh, it is great to be sitting across from you, and uh, I'm happy to see you uh, on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, it's it's uh, Tuesday, and of course now what, we're three days, two days, three days three removed days. Um, from the news that has saddened us all um, because of what you know, Kobe Bryant has touched us in so many ways in the re- in the relationship that we had. Whether we knew him from afar, we were fans. Um, you know, I had a wonderful opportunity to spend time with him and feel incredibly touched and blessed that you know have spent the time that I was able to spend with him personally. But um, it's still very hard to to try to come to grips with this, even three days later of what happened, not only to him, but his family and the other, you know, passengers that were was on that helicopter. So um, it's it's been a very, very, very tough three days to kind of really try to wrap your head around what happened there on a Sunday, Sunday was Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, you know, the, the the fallout, the love that we've seen, the embracing of who Kobe Bryant was as a person out in the world. And you talked about the the difference between being someone who's around Kobe Bryant, uh, who was close, who was in the same room, who belongs to the same fraternity. That, that fraternity, of course, at the NBA with you. And then from afar, which is me growing up as a, a Kobe Bryant era kid. You know, we watched Kobe Bryant basically take the reins from what Michael Jordan left behind after the three-peat when he ended in 98 and he left the game. We saw Shaq and Kobe team up and basically say, we are the new duo. We are the guys. Right. We are the greatest duo you've ever seen. And Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal had that three-peat and made L.A. fall in love with those two guys. And they became what Jack Nicholson once described as the biggest star in Los Angeles for the past 20 years, is what he said when Kobe Bryant played his last game in Los Angeles. So this isn't just about Kobe Bryant, the basketball player. This is about Kobe Bryant, the person, the legend, and what he meant to the city because I think that really is where this impacted the most because Kobe Bryant is a citizen. He is a face of the city of Los Angeles at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, this is a very unique set of circumstances. I mean, you saw this young man. I, I remember when he came here, he was like 18, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was... Robert Ory told the story that when Kobe came in the locker room, they were all liking to drink beer back in those days. <laughs> right. And they didn't get rid of the beer because Kobe yeah, was... Yeah, so I remember bad. those days. I remember those <laughs> days. There was a lot of beer in the locker room. Uh, but, I mean, you watched him grow up literally as a teenager... To evolve into a, a father, a husband, and friend, and um, so the, I mean the the city of Los Angeles and Laker Nation, you you can see what he has meant to this city, what he has meant to this community here, and uh, and as much as he means a lot to the people here in Los Angeles, what he means to the fans worldwide. I mean, this was clearly you know, a, a person who really impacted the game on a global level. And he was a, 
he embraced what it meant to be a star, and uh, he certainly embodied that and carried that integrity of how he, you know, took his craft. He took that, and you knew every time you watched him, there was no doubt you were going to get the effort and energy that was necessary to be great. That was one thing that you knew watching him that he was going to put forth what was necessary to be the very best. And, um, you know, it's just, it's still hard to talk about this um, because of, it's just like, it just seems too short. It seems too fast. Um, and it just seemed to happen so quickly. But you know what, I'm, 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 as, I'm always thinking now about his family and those, those others that were on that, you know, in that situation, thinking about their family and, and you know, really my prayers and thoughts are, are with them and how special all those people were, not only to us here in this community, but, you know, you can't forget about the family and friends and fathers and sisters and brothers that those other people were. And uh, just really kind of, this really puts you, puts life in perspective of what's mm -hmm. really important. And, um, and it's, 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 it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. And even that morning, it seems surreal as the news sort of rolled out and, you know, everyone kind of tried to the best they can kind of, you know, soak it in and, and what the reality was at the moment. And I think the greatest thing that you can say about someone is that, there is no death because, you know, they are immortalized when they are right. someone of the ilk of Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant and the way he lived his life, which is, you think, every single sports maxim you've ever heard, you know, the first to the gym, last, you know, leaving the gym, all these little things that you hear, is like win the day. Those right. all seem very fickle and, you know, sometimes a little arbitrary. But Kobe Bryant lived those things. He embodied those things. He was every one of those down to a T so much so that it would almost sicken you that he was so perfect in that sense, the way that he attacked everything and uh, just sort of where we are with him. I think the best thing that we can do now is to share the stories of Kobe Bryant that we have, because right. those are the greatest things that we have to keep him alive in this world, in this space, in this place. And I just wanted to ask you if you had any moments with, with Kobe personally, or just from afar where you were like, this guy is something else he's something different as he's once said he was like i'm the same animal but a different beast right and he's a 6-6 shooting guard he looked like he was made in a michael jordan laboratory of sorts right and we know that michael jordan and him have their little back and forth and tiffs and and things early on because kobe was willing to say i want to be better than you right and michael's competitive as well and i didn't know if there was any moment that you had with those two or just watching kobe uh, yourself as a fan of the game well you know <clears throat> You know, I always try to pay respect to people and their privacy and yeah. the moments that we have. And, um, you know, whether that's with, you know, my closest friends, my family, and try to really separate my public life from my private life. Um, saying you know someone and then have an opportunity to have intimate moments and shared moments with people. And, um, you know, I, I've had those moments with Kobe, which... You know, and I know there are a lot of stories being said, but I'm going to make a choice to just keep those moments what we had, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, when I have a conversation, it, that's between us, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and I get it. But the one thing I, I, I will share with him, is, with with our audience here is, you know, I, I knew him, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, 
you know, like you, you compete against someone, you may see someone in passing, but when you really know them and their family and you have moments where everyone, he could, you know, he might've been the Mamba to a lot of other people, but I remember when he was just Kobe, Kobe Bryant. And I remember meeting him for the very first time and how wide-eyed he was about, wow, you played with Michael Jordan and you played in the triangle offense. And then being able to see how he went from the student of the game to the master of the game. Um, but the one thing that stood out about him that I knew immediately when I first met him is one, he had the, he had the energy that was necessary to be the greatest. Mm-hmm. Like he had a certain amount of energy that he carried himself with that was just very unusual. It wasn't like he was trying to work hard. That's just what he did. And the only way we could describe it was he just works harder than everyone. No, that's just (laughs) who he was. And then he had another quality that really, that you just don't see often. He was very comfortable in the conflict of competition. He was very comfortable with conflict and he was very comfortable with me challenging you. And either you have that or you don't. There's a lot of people who are wants to win and they want the things that come with winning, but they don't really want the responsibility of why we lost. He was very comfortable with conflict. He was very comfortable in, in environments where it wasn't always comfortable. He was comfortable taking and missing the last shot. He was very comfortable with the responsibility of what came with being the best player. And you saw that immediately with him. He was very comfortable with that. And for a young kid, when I first met him, um, around 18 or 19 he was, that's what stood out to me. Like I was like, oh, he was way ahead of his time as far as taking the responsibility of what it means to be the best player. He wasn't interested in being you know, what came with being the best player. He was very interested on being what it meant to be the very best player on the team and carrying that responsibility of not only being the best player, but he wanted to be the, have the best team. And that was very obvious. And he was working from a different perspective than all the other young kids that I had met. That was something that, you know, you learn over time. Oh yeah, I can get 30, but now I got to get to 30 and figure out how to win. He had figured that out immediately, and that was the one thing that was clear from day one, Mm -hmm. that this young man was, he wasn't working hard because someone needed him to work hard. You know, he was working hard because that's what he did. Mm -hmm. And he was very clear on the purpose of what he was trying to do. It wasn't like a, you know, look at me, he was just, I'm comfortable with this conflict. You're probably going to be uncomfortable with me. Now either you're going to fit in mm-hmm. or you're not. Mm-hmm. And that was the way he did it from the moment I met him. And it was it was it was, it was a very unique thing and I remember I I remember vividly going, "Wow, this kid is a little different." And I obviously he went on to show, you know, what separated him, but he, that was obvious from day one. 
and you saw it, you know, on the court, obviously, and that's where most of the fans and the people that, that know, quote-unquote, Kobe Bryant, who they saw as the Black Mamba, they, they saw those moments. They saw him thrive right. in the conflict. They saw when, you know, <laughs> I remember in 2002, he showed up in the full Jordan outfit to game four because they were going for the sweep for the three-peat. And right. this was him paying his homage in his mind to a hero of his, a man that he had studied, right. a guy he watched film on. And Shaquille O'Neal in the clip, he's like, it's about time you put on your own jersey. You know, because Kobe had finally, like you said, he was a student of the game to 110%. And then he had gotten to the point where he had just three-peated. He had become a master. He had done something that is so far-fetched and unattainable, it feels like, in this modern NBA. He had gotten to that, you know, that peak. And Jaquille knows it's about time you give yourself some credit. You know, it was the first time you saw that shift, in my mind, from Kobe making, you know, from the greatest student to now he is a master. And then he ended up becoming one of the best masters of the game we've seen, you know, from 08 to 2010 with those championship runs. He could have gone for another three-peat with him leading a team solely without Shaquille O'Neal by his side. And those yeah. are all basketball things. But he got better every day in life as well along the ride with basketball. He got married very early. He did a lot of things very early. You know, I mean, he right. half of his life was in the NBA. He spent 20 years in the NBA. He was a 41-year-old man. Right, right. So his, his life was so much in the professional sphere, yet he thrived. And that's just so hard to see or imagine, honestly, in this current iteration of life. And I think that's what was so special at some level. Yeah, I mean, you know, those are great points. And, you know... I think it's something that you learn as you get older. You you get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And he grew up in this environment. This is half of his life was spent being a professional, you know, basketball player. And, um, you know, as I, as I watched him and, you know, people always say, you know, you, you watch the great players and you watch what they do and you watch things that they do. And I was very fortunate to have seen and played against, played with some of the great players. You know, before you really become a master at anything, right? You, you know, you, you, you'll see a move, like you'll see a Dirk Nowinski move, right? The, the fade away, the one leg. Okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's a skill, right? Yeah, it's something you work on and you, and you do it. But it doesn't become... It's not, it, it, it's not impressive when you're doing it as a move, but when you're doing it because that's what the play needed at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Like Dirk Nowinski, I'm sure, wasn't sitting around in the gym figuring out, just working on a one-leg follow-away shot. But I'm sure Dirk needed to do that at some given time in his career that that play called for that particular move. Okay, and and what I mean by that is when you watch Kobe and you watch Michael, who he has been compared to, the one thing that they shared more than anything else was the fundamentals of the game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the fundamentals of the game was the core of their game. Now, both happen to be exceptional athletes. And that to me is what the rare combination is. You're an exceptional athlete who has an exceptional understanding of the game from a fundamental core, from a fundamental base. Now, when you put those two together, this is what you get. So when people say he was imitating, you know, Jordan or he would, 
when you look at Jordan's footwork, and when you look at Kobe's footwork, when you look at the ability to pass, just do something, some pass the ball with two hands. To learn how to accept the double team. Learn how to reverse pivot. Learn all of the fundamental things of the game. The game, to me, is the master. But you saw two players who were able to execute that at such a high level with ex with an exceptional athletic ability. That was just rare, right? You'll, you'll see players who maybe are fundamentally sound, but they don't have the athletic ability to have the speed and quickness to play. You know, Larry Bird was one of those players. Like, fundamentally speaking, Larry Bird was exceptional. Mm -hmm. But he didn't have the athleticism of a Jordan or the athleticism of a Kobe Bryant. And that's, to me, is what separated them. So when people say that, I just look at their games and go, those guys play the game fundamentally because they had counters to everything you did. Mm -hmm. they, they weren't, yes, they were overpowering, but if you match that ability, they were able to do other things because fundamentally speaking, they were far superior than most. And, and, it, and it's one of those things too, where you could just feel like, uh, you know, if Kobe wants you to go right and Jordan knows he wants you to go right, well then he has the move to make you go left. And then, like, if they played against each other, it would be the chess match of all chess matches because they would honestly probably drive themselves insane trying to guess and second guess and well, anticipate and figure out what the other one was going to do the entire time. Cause that's their life. If, I mean, that's if, why they're so great. You know, I, I was privy to some conversations that they've had, and, but I think Michael, if he chooses, he should tell you how those conversations went. But in my opinion, if they were to play, um, the footwork and all of those things check both. Um, the size, Michael was a little bigger than Kobe. Um, so I think that would, that would probably be a, an, an advantage for Michael. The outside shooting, I think is an advantage for Kobe. Um, knowledge of the game, even. <laughs> Interesting enough, I was thinking on my way here today, I was thinking both of them played and preferred to play in the triangle offense, which I thought was interesting. Um, that both played in their prime in the triangle offense, which is an offense that you don't normally associate with with today's game. Um, but I think if there's anything that separates them because they both have their advantages, you know, maybe ball handling maybe goes to Kobe Bryant. Um, athleticism maybe goes to Jordan. But if there's anything that separates them is Michael Jordan's hands. <laughs> Michael Jordan could play with one hand where Kobe didn't have the hands that Michael had. And that, to most people, people are like, well, why does that matter? Well, it does matter when you're talking about, technically speaking, to the level of excellence that we're talking about right now that we're referring to. You know, Michael had an exceptional size of his hands that allowed him to play with one hand. And playing with one hand is far superior than playing with two because it, it allows you to, with the length, and, and do things. And... He, that to me is probably the only difference between them. You have no doubt that both of them 
would compete at a high level. You have no doubt that both would be able to take away others. You have no doubt that their offensive ability will not dictate who's going to win that game. Mm -hmm. It would be defensively, you know, who was able to dominate the other. Because offensively, you're not going to stop either one of them. But if there is something that will give Jordan an advantage, I think if they were if they were ever to play in their primes, it would be Jordan's hands mm -hmm. because that is a significant advantage in the game of basketball. A person who can play with one hand, and um, but everything else, I mean, they both. I mean, they were just they were geniuses of the game, right? And they were incredibly gifted with the physical ability that was necessary to play with the speed and quickness. But if there is an advantage for one or the other, one just had exceptionally big hands. And that's that's the only difference that I see. It's funny because Jordan called Kobe his little brother, right? And in, in his statement that he put out um, in remembrance of Kobe. And if you think about what you're talking about in this fictional one-on-one -on -one game of Kobe versus Jordan and our you know made-up realities of this beautiful basketball game, it's like, Kobe would be the little brother to Michael in that game. And we all play, you know, I have siblings, I'm the little brother. And right. so you talk about the defensive intensity of the little brother, a.k.a. Kobe in this situation, it's going to be 150, you know what I mean? Because as right. the little brother, that's just how it is. And that's how Kobe almost took every single day and seized every day that way to prove to everyone and also to prove that he was right in what he was saying. I want to be the greatest, which, you know, and I, and I think that attitude is um, is something that, he exemplified every single day on the basketball court. Um, and I, I have one little note that I want to throw out here. You know, they, every coach will tell you something's textbook. They're like, that's textbook. That's textbook. I think in basketball, we should just say that's Kobe. Yeah. yeah well, you know, I like that. I, I just, I don't know what to pay. I saw other people the other day. They were like, instead of playing to 21, let's play to Kobe. Let's play to 24. And if you get knocked out, you go back to eight. That's the new game people want to play. I like the idea of that. But I just like Kobe Bryant to me is everything that is fundamentally sound in textbook on a basketball court 24-7. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's been kind of, you know, surreal to watch all of this, right? Yeah. And uh, when I went into the office on Monday, you know, it was, it was something that really kind of caught my eye yesterday and I commented about it. Uh, was this was the first time that this generation and my generation, we have something in common, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we always talk about, you, you and I always joke about it too, you know, like, like it's, 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 it's a different time, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and you're in your twenties and, and, but yesterday was the first time that when I walked in the office that I was having eye to eye, meaningful conversations with young people. It wasn't a text. It wasn't on the computer. It wasn't email. It was like everyone stopped doing what they were doing to have a meaningful conversation. And what I learned from this generation was all of the players 30 or so and under all looked up to him and all of my generation, we all respected his, you know, what he did. And we all kind of in our own way agreed that he meant something to all of us, right? Mm -hmm. He saw what our generation did, respected it and perfected it. 
And then he represented as a as a a, a hero to this generation. And all of us kind of stopped and and it was the first time that you know you, you I see people having like conversations and what he meant to us not over social media. It mm-hmm. was like this is something that happened. This is something that is like a con- like a human connection. And it was it was just it was just a different space yesterday, because you know we we all get busy and we're all doing our things and we're all, but yesterday, Monday, everyone was talking, and everyone was sharing their stories, and and it, this wasn't something that happened on social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was something that happened that we all understood and uh, we all felt a, a deep sense of loss. And it was just uh, it was just one of those moments that I, I, I was like, you know, you just saw people talking for the first time in a long time where people are just actually like, wow, that affected them in some way, whatever way that may have been, but where people felt the need to like put their technology down and just have a meaningful conversation with another human being. I call Kobe the middle child because, in, in a sense, he sort of is. And we talk about basketball generations, whether there's the Michael generation, which is sort of the, the crowd of the '90s, and and then there's the, you know, the LeBron generation, which is the under thirty crowd that you're talking about. Right. And there's that's the split of difference in the conversation. You know what I mean? Usually, that's what people argue right. over, right? Currently, but Kobe Bryant, like you said, he was in between these two guys, and the admiration and the respect on both sides of the equation equated to him being this pinpoint, the central point where everyone could find the equilibrium of respect and understand where everyone's coming from. And you're hundred percent right. Everyone lives in the same rat race of doing the same thing every single day. Not every day is just going to be another day and another, another, the next day is not promised. We all had that hard reality hit us as we saw someone who felt invincible. And I mentioned this to, to Midas before we walked in the NBA, since it has started, there's only three MVPs that have passed away. I mean, we still see Bill Russell. We still see Bob Pettit. We still see Bob Cousy. We still see all these guys that are alive. And so we expect Kobe Bryant to be there and to have that moment. And that harsh reality and truth, uh, I think, really set in. And that's why people, the, the human connective tissue does not exist on a phone or in front of a computer or whatever it does. It exists in person, face to face. And that moment was a human moment. And Kobe Bryant, um, is an amazing human who was raising another amazing human who was also on that helicopter and who had a bright future, who would have been a star in women's basketball from every single thing we had heard from Kobe and beyond and people in that space. And UConn, you know, was honoring her legacy and the people that were also in that helicopter, they were all good, hardworking people that were, you know, trying to make their dreams come true with whether it be through women's basketball, whether it be through coaching the youth, there was just a lot of good spirits and good people involved. And that's the humanity that is involved in this equation. And it's unfortunate that this situation had to bring that out. But the best we can do now is to, to live every day in a fuller way. Yeah. I, 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 you, you beautifully said, live every day. You know, you know in the end, it's all love. That's, yeah. that's what it is. In yep. the end, and I get it, it's fun to argue and it's about who's your favorite player, <laughs> who's your favorite team and all of those things. But in the end, it's all love and uh, Every poet just wants to be loved. That's it, and uh, so it's a great lesson to learn, and and it was a reminder, a huge reminder on Sunday. You know, every day is a special day, 
but you you know some days it's harder to find it you know but but the sun is always shining and you just gotta gotta let it in well let's end it right there uh bj we there's there's so many things that we can say about kobe bryant moving forward and you know the the things we can say now is that you know we're thinking of all those who are affected by this this great tragedy and uh we'll, we'll take a moment of silence here uh on this episode and then we'll get out of here um and we'll come back uh later in the week uh we'll be back on friday uh, to talk more things uh basketball life culture all the above uh but for now let's take a a moment to remember all those lost uh in this horrific tragedy in los angeles